Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a book by Thomas Brooks, who was the English nonconformist preacher and writer who died in 1680. The book is called The Private Key to Heaven, and his idea is that the private key to heaven is private prayer, and he's been defending it and giving people's objections against it. Uh, objection six was, we are too weak to pray. Last time I talked to you about his answers to that objection, some of them. Here are some other answers to that objection. Weakness is a reason to pray more. <laughs> the more infirmities and weaknesses hang upon us, the more cause we have to keep close and constant to our closet duties. If grace be weak, the omission of private prayer will make it weaker. Look, as he that will not eat will certainly grow weaker and weaker, so he that will not pray in his closet will certainly grow weaker and weaker. If corruptions be strong, the neglect of private prayer will make them stronger. The more the remedy is neglected, the more the disease is strengthened. Whatsoever the distempers of a man's heart be, they will never be abated, but augmented by the omission of private prayer. The more bodily infirmities hang upon us, the more need we have of the physician. And so the more sinful infirmities hang upon our souls, the more need we have of private prayer. All sinful omissions will make work for repentance for hell or, or for the physician of souls. Sinful omissions lead to sinful commissions, as you may see in the angels that fell from heaven to hell and in Adam's fall in paradise. Origen, going to comfort and encourage a martyr that was to be tormented, was himself apprehended by the officers and constrained either to offer to the idols or to have his body abused by a blackamoor, that's a dark-skinned person, it's called, that was ready for that purpose, of which hard choice to save his life, he bowed unto the idol. But afterwards, making a sad confession of his foul fact, he said that he had gone forth that morning before he had been with God in his closet, and so peremptorily concludes that his neglect of prayer was the cause of his falling into that great sin. The neglect of one day, of one duty, of one hour, would undo us forever if we had not an advocate with the Father. Those years, those months, those weeks, those days, hours that are not filled up with God, Christ, grace, and duty, will certainly be filled up with vanity and folly. All omissions of duty will more and more unfit the soul for duty. A key thrown aside gathers rust, a pump not used will be hardly got to go, and an armor not used will be hardly made bright. Look, as sinful commissions will stab the soul, so sinful omissions will starve the soul. Such as live in the neglect of private prayer may well cry out, Our leanness, our leanness, Isaiah twenty four sixteen, And therefore, away with all these pleas and reasonings about infirmities and weaknesses and indispositions. Address yourselves to closet prayer. His fifth response is simply, this objection does not stop you from working. It may be thy distemper and indisposition of body is not so great, but that thou canst 
buy, sell, and get gain. Notwithstanding thy aching head and thy shooting back and thy pained sides and thy feeble knees, yet thou canst with Marcia cumber thyself about thy worldly affairs. Song of Solomon 5.2 Christ calls upon his spouse to open the door and let him in. But sin and shifting coming into the world together, see how poorly and unworthily she labors to shift Christ off. I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? Song of Solomon 5.3 Rather than she will make no excuse for herself, she'll make a silly excuse, a worthless excuse. She was no longer a child, and what a great business had it been for her to have risen, to have let in such a guest that brings everything with him that heart can wish or need require. She was not grown so decrepit with old age, but that she was able to make herself ready. At least she might easily have slipped on her morning coat and stepped to the door without any danger of taking cold or of being wet to the skin, and so have let him in, the one who never comes empty-handed. Yea, who was now come full of the dew of divine blessings to enrich her, for so some sense those words, my head is filled with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. Oh, the frivolous pretenses and idle excuses that even gracious persons are apt sometimes to take up to overcolor, to set in a favorable light their neglect of duty. But some may say, it may be the spouse of Christ was asleep. Oh no, for she saith, I sleep, but my heart waketh, verse 2. She slept with open eyes, as the lion doth. She slept but half sleep. Though her outward man was drowsy, her inward person was wakeful. Though the flesh took a nap, yet her spirit did not nod. Oh, but it may be Christ made no noise. He gave no notice that he was at the door. Oh yes, he knocked. He knocked and Banged by the hammer of his word and the hand of his spirit. He knocked by outward corrections and inward admonitions. He knocked by providences. He knocked by mercies. His importunity and vehemence for admission was very great. Oh, but it may be he did but only knock. He should have called as well as knocked. For none but madmen would open their doors in the night except they knew the voice of him that knocks. Oh, yes. He did not only knock, but he called also. Oh, but it may be she did not know his voice, and therefore she would not open. No chaste wife will at unseasonable hours arise and open her doors to a stranger, especially in her husband's absence. Oh, yes, she knew his voice. It says it is the voice of my beloved that knocks. She was not so fast asleep, but that she knew the voice of her beloved from all the other voices, and could tell every little thing that he did and said. When the calls of Christ were so strong, so loud, and his pulsations so mighty, that she could not but know and confess that it was the voice of her beloved, though she was not so respectful and dutiful as to obey that voice. Oh, but it may be Christ knocked and called like a friend in his journey only to inquire how it was with her, or to speak to her at the window. Oh, no. He speaks plainly. He speaks with authority. Open to me.
Oh, but it may be uh, she had no power to open the door. Oh, yes. For when he commands his people to open, he lends them a key to open the door that he may enter in. Infused grace is a living principle that will enable the souls to open to Christ. If a man be not a free agent to work and act by the helps of grace received, to what purpose are counsels, commands, exhortations, and directions given to perform this and that and the other work? And certainly, it is our greatest honor and happiness in this world to cooperate with God in those things which concern His own glory and our own internal and eternal good. Oh, but it may be Christ had given his spouse some distaste, or it may be he had let fall some hard words or some unkind speeches, which made her a little froward and pettish. Oh, no, for he owns her as his beloved and courts her highly with the most winning and amicable terms of love. My sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, my perfect one. He calls her so for her dove-like simplicity, purity, and integrity. All these endearing and honoring titles are the rhetoric of divine love and should have been as so many sacred engagements upon her to open to her beloved. Oh, but it may be Christ was too quick for her. It may be he gave but a knock and a call and was gone before she could rise and open the door. Oh, no. Christ stayed until his head was filled with dew and his locks with the drops of the night, which most passionate expression notes the, the tender goodness, patience, and gentleness of our Lord Jesus, who endures far greater and harder things for his spouse's sake than ever Jacob did for his Rachel's sake. After Christ had suffered much for her sake and waited her leisure a long while, she very unkindly, and very unmannerly and unworthily turns her back upon all his sweet and comfortable names or titles that he used and blessed and bleeding embracements and turns him off to look for his lodging in some other place so that he might well have said, Is this thy kindness to thy friend, thy husband, thy lord, to suffer him to stand bareheaded and that in foul weather, Yea, in the night time, wooing, entreating, and beseeching admittance, and yet to turn him off as one in whom thy soul could take no pleasure. Now, if you will but seriously weigh all these circumstances in the balance of the sanctuary, you may run and read the fault and folly, the weakness and madness, slightness and laziness of the spouse. And by her you may make a judgment of those sad and sinful distempers that may seize upon the best of saints and see how ready the flesh is to frame excuses and all to keep the soul off from duty and the doors fast bolted against the Lord Jesus. It is sad when men are well enough to sit, chat, and trade in their shops but are not well enough to pray in their closets. Certainly that man's heart is not right with God, at least at this time, who, under all his bodily distempers, can maintain and keep up his public trade with men, but is not well enough to maintain his private trade with heaven. Our bodies are but dirt, handsomely tempered and artificially formed. We 
And by artificially, he means skillfully. The old English word artificially means skillfully. We derive our pedigree from the dirt and are akin to clay. One calls the body the blot of nature. Another calls it the soul's beast, a sack of dung, worm's meat. Another calls it a prison, a sepulcher. Paul calls it a body of vileness. Now, for a man to make so much ado about the distempers of his body, to excuse the neglects of his soul, is an evil made up of many evils. But really, sir, I am I am so ill, and my body is so t- mistempered and indisposed that I am not able to mind or meddle with the least things of the world. Well, if this be so, then know that God hath on purpose knocked thee off from the things of this world, that thou mayest look the more effectively upon the things of another world. The design of God in all the distempers that are upon thy body is to wind thee more off from thy worldly trade and to work thee to follow thine heavenly trade more close. Many a man had never found the way to his closet if God by bodily distempers had not turned him out of his shop, his trade, his business, his all. Well, Christians, Uh, Remember this once for all. Uh, If your indisposition to closet prayer doth really arise from bodily distempers or sickness, weakness, then you may be confident that the Lord will pity you much and bear with you much and kindly accept of a little. You know how affectionately parents and ingenuous masters do carry it towards their children and servants when they are under bodily distempers and Indisposition, and you may be confident that God will never carry it worse towards you than they do towards them. Ponder often upon Ezekiel thirty-four, four, sixteen, twenty-one, twenty-two. Next time, we'll uh, give the rest of his answers to that objection. And then we've got some words of counsel as we move on in this book, The Private Key to Heaven. Thank you so much again for being among us today. Do look around the the site. Thirty, I think I saw 3,600 audios now featuring some of the church's great preachers. Persecution stories from North Korea in English Korean. Uh, Bible studies on a number of subjects and a blog. And if you want more than that, there's my books at Amazon.com. Or you can join us at a Zoom meeting by contacting me, bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. Again, I say this is the Hackberry House of Chosun. And this audio is being released on the 17th of May, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.